Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to our members' preview for the 2023 program. My name's Lisa Slade. I'm the Assistant Director here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. Thrilled to be with you. This is the second of these events and we had a full house for Saturday and we have a full house, a full dark house this evening. So just delighted to have you with us. I would like to begin by acknowledging in Ghana language that we are on country. I've got two versions, so I'm going to do both. The first one is like Axes on Ghana land, and the next one is Nyadlu Tampandi, Nyadlu Ghana Miena Yatanga Yuandi, Natalia. And the second is to say that it's important to acknowledge that we're here on Ghana Yada. And then I said Natalia at the end, which is thank you. So, welcome. It's so lovely to have you here on this incredibly balmy, I feel like I was in Singapore out there, incredibly balmy afternoon. We're going to have a lot of fun together, I think, this afternoon, talking through the program. I am going to, first of all, hand over to Vincent Ciccarello, one of our relatively new members of the team. Vince is heading up a whole new portfolio, and he's going to be talking to you about that and introducing his team right now. Can you join me in welcoming Vince up to the mic? Hello, everyone. And uh, I'm yet to... Uh, I've been here for 90 days, uh, and I'm yet to learn the acknowledgement in language, which it's a priority, and I have to do that. So I'm going to defer to, to Lisa Slade whenever she's in the room because she does it so beautifully. So uh, thank you for making that acknowledgement. Uh, Lisa, I appreciate that. And I'd like to extend my very warm welcome to all of you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as Lisa said, I'm a relative newcomer to the team. I've, there are three faces, at least, in the crowd that I know very well and with whom I've been very close over the past nine years. So I said Niall and Janice and Sarah. So it's great to see you here in the new context. And this is a, a new team, the Philanthropy and Enterprise team, uh, that um, was created, I guess, in an effort to bring together all of those components of the gallery um, which aren't necessarily involved in the, the public programs or the connection of curatorial with the visitation, but in fact the relationships that support all of that. So in addition to the donor groups uh, and our corporate partnerships and our relationships with trusts and foundations, a very critical and important element of the relationship to the gallery are all of you wonderful people here, our members. We have 4,600 members uh, at the gallery and that's a number that we are committed to growing because you are, uh, in fact, make the very real and tangible statement about how much you love the gallery because you're prepared to fork over $80 or $130 every year to, to do so. And we we know that you get some benefits uh, from that, but it means that you are, you know, you're, you're prepared to put your money where your mouth is, and of course that's very important to the ongoing um, survival and sustainability of the gallery. But more importantly, because you are our best advocates, um, so I want to thank you for for your membership. Um, hope that you enjoy it and continue to enjoy it. We're in store. Uh, we have in store a wonderful presentation. Dr. Lisa Slade will come back on in a little while. But before that. And it's my great pleasure to welcome Tansy Curtin, our curator of international art pre-1980. And she's going to talk to you about our two big... I'm going to use the expression, Tansy. No, okay, I won't. We're not, we're not allowed to say blockbuster. We say major ticketed exhibitions. <laughs> that uh, she's going to fit you in. So please welcome Tansy Curtin. 
So I have the great pleasure of talking to you about our two big international exhibitions that will be opening very soon. The first one, Andy Warhol and Photography, A Social Media. It's only a few short weeks away, but this is a wonderful show that my fabulous colleague, Julie Robinson, who I'm sure many of you know very well, has been working on for many years. And unfortunately... Last year, Julie managed to break her ankle very badly, so I've been her support person on this exhibition. So she's been doing all of incredible curatorial work and I've been helping out as much as I can on the ground here at AGSA and, and making this wonderful exhibition come to fruition. So this exhibition really, as I said, has been in the making for many, many years and it looks at a part of, of Warhol's practice that you may not know very well. Of course, I'm sure you know who Andy Warhol is, incredible artist, very well known for his pop art, his beautiful screen prints, very large scale works, bold colours, very bright. But this exhibition will show you the other side of his practice, his photographic work and his moving images. And perhaps what most people don't know is that his, his large-scale works are actually very much informed by his photographic practice. For him, the, the photograph informs every part of his work. And this is what Julie will reveal to you in this incredible exhibition. It traces through really from the early part of his career in the 1960s, the wonderful silver-coloured studio that he had in New York, right through to his later work in the 1980s, before his untimely death. Of course, he, he died after a botched operation, died quite young, so it's quite a tragedy. But one of the things that's quite interesting about Andy Warhol is that uh, during his lifetime, only two folios of photographs were published. We will have those folios in this exhibition, and in fact, one of them we have in the collection of the Art Gallery of South Australia. We've been acquiring works by Warhol over a number of years. And the rest of these works, these photographic works, were really discovered after his death. Thousands and thousands of photographs were found, were found to be resource like source material for his larger works, but, you know, standalone works of art as well. Andy Warhol was known to say, a good picture is one of someone famous doing something unfamous. And there are plenty of these in the exhibition. There are, of course, Andy Warhol associated with all the best people of New York and all the not-so-great people of New York as well. He really loved to surround himself with many different people and liked to photograph them. He was always seen with his camera. And I don't know if many of you have seen the Netflix series The Warhol Diaries, which, of course, is based on his very important... I don't know how much of it he actually wrote and how much was written by his, his friend who took phone calls every day from Warhol. But it's a fascinating experience. It's, it's done with a, an artificial intelligence voice to sound like Warhol. Uh, and it's quite a strange, bizarre experience. But it gives you a little bit of insight into to who Warhol is. But I think what we've all learnt working on this exhibition is that we will never know Andy Warhol. He was different for every person he met. He had a persona that he presented to every person he met. And you'll see some of that in the exhibition as well. Of course, the exhibition includes some 150 works. We've got photographs, we've got screen prints, we've got a, a whole tranche of moving image that comes from the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, which of course is the largest museum and the only one to include all of his moving image. And it's really the first time you'll see many of these works in Australian context. You will have seen a lot of screen prints and other works, these very famous Campbell's soup cans, those types of works. But here you'll see them in a different way. You'll see the source material. You see what really inspired Warhol to bring these works to life. 
and you'll also get some personal stories. We, of course, own in the Art Gallery of South Australia in our collection, we have a wonderful portrait of one of the only two Australians painted by Warhol, Henry Gillespie. And I'm sure you probably saw all the wonderful news media we did about the announcement of the exhibition with Henry. He lives in regional New South Wales. He, of course, knew Warhol very well, was a friend and confidant of, of Warhol, met him in the 1980s, became the editor for his interview magazine and was actually arranging for Warhol to come to Australia on an Australian tour. But sadly, Warhol died before he could come. So we'll have that wonderful portrait of, of Henry in the exhibition reunited with its three companions from the National Gallery in Canberra. But also there's a fabulous interview with Henry where you get to hear about his friendship with Warhol and what it was like to have his portrait painted by Andy Warhol. We're also bringing out Christopher Marcos from New York, one of the really, I guess, surviving members of that time in Warhol's life. He was a great collaborator with Andy Warhol, a very important close friend as well, and, he, and a photographer. So Christopher Marcos is going to come out. He will be here for our first Friday and be giving a talk. And we'll also have a recorded interview with him in the exhibition talking about working with Warhol. So trying to bring those stories of, of really the, the last people who knew Warhol very intimately to life and helping to kind of illustrate these stories that perhaps we wouldn't normally have a chance to see. You'll also get to see Warhol in front of the camera. So not only do you see photographs that Warhol took, but you'll also see photographs of Andy Warhol. And there's a wonderful series of Andy Warhol dressing up. Um, people say in drag, but actually what he wanted to do was to be feel like a beautiful woman for a day. So he wore all these different wigs and lots of makeup, and Christopher Marcos did this wonderful series called Altered Image, which will be part of the exhibition. It's a really beautiful image as well. And of course, you've got this fabulous one that we're using on our as our hero image, which is both a a photograph of Warhol by someone else, but also a self-portrait because, of course, you've got the self-portrait of the Polaroid in there. So it's all of those different iterations of Warhol that we can see in this one image and uh, such a fabulous work. And it also talks about the way that Warhol curated his own image. You know, he really very much controlled what images were out there in, in the media. It's going to be a really fantastic exhibition. There's lots of things that people will never had the chance to see. Some of Warhol's feature films, like Camp and Hairspray, you'll be able to see. Probably you've never seen them. Some of them are a little interesting and strange and very much part of that experimental video work that he was doing, but really interesting work too, all filmed in the factory, so quite fascinating. And then, of course, uh, one thing I thought was really interesting was I was talking to our, our shop manager recently and we were talking about merchandise for these shows because, of course, that's what you do. And we, everything that has Andy Warhol on it also has Frida Kahlo on it. So they're obviously on a par. Not enough women artists are up on that level in terms of merchandising, but we can work on that. So this incredible exhibition, Frida and Diego, Love and Revolution, comes from the Jacques and Natasha Gelman collection, which is really the most important private collection of, of Mexican modernism. The exhibition obviously will be here in June, so it's not that far away. It will come upon us very, very quickly. And the last time we had an exhibition of Frida Kahlo's works was in 1990 at the Adelaide Festival. So it's been a long time. As far as I know, unless any of you have anything to tell me, there are no works by Frida Kahlo in Australian collections. If you do have one, let me know. I'm happy to hear about it. 
Uh, Madonna does, but, you know, she's not here. So there were a couple in the Holmes Court collection, but sadly they've, they've been sold off over time. So it is a, it's a rare opportunity to see these works. The nature of these works is they're considered national patrimony in Mexico and they're only allowed to leave the country for two years at a time. So there's lots of complexities around Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera's works. But this is a very, very special collection and was amassed by people who were actually friends and collectors of both Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. So they not only bought their works, but they were very close friends and, in fact, probably argued that they bought Frida Kahlo's work to help give her a little bit of money, a bit of income, because during her lifetime, she wasn't the famous artist. Diego Rivera was. And, of course, it's only really been since the 1970s that Frida Mania has taken off and this renewed interest in Frida Kahlo has really come to the forefront. This exhibition includes paintings, works on paper, lots of fabulous photographs, both by artists such as Lola Alvarez Bravo, but also contextual photographs showing Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera's life. Lots of different stories that we can extrapolate from this wonderful exhibition. Stories about the history of Mexico, the history of Mexican Revolution of 1910, and of course, Frida Kahlo, while she was born in 1907, used to like to fudge her paperwork to change it to 1910, because she thought it was more auspicious to be born in the year of the revolution. And of course, they were great revolutionaries. They were communists and they supported overthrowing capitalism. So this is a, you know, a period, a really interesting period in the history of Mexico. It's also a period where we see this uptake of Mexicanidad and art popular or folk art, this, this new love, the returning to the traditional arts of the indigenous Mexican people, the Aztec art that had been sort of quashed by the Spanish colonisation of the country. So you see this idea of nationalism coming to the foreground through art and culture and a renewed sense of Mexican identity. You can certainly trace that in these works. But what you also see is you see these artists looking not just inwards, but also looking outwards. They're bringing modernist concepts into the country of Mexico, not copying what's happening in Europe, but bringing it back and making it truly Mexican. So you get a really wonderful sense of this renewed culture and a renaissance in visual arts as well. So the exhibition will give you an opportunity to, to really see a different side of Mexican culture. I've been working really closely with Grieve Giller Anderson, the wonderful um, local architecture firm. They've designed an incredible exhibition design for us that really takes inspiration from the architecture of Mexico, from the Casa Azul and from Diego's studio, those wonderful architectural forms. So you'll come into the exhibition and you'll feel you, you'll have a little slice of Mexico here in South Australia. And I think it'll be a really wonderful opportunity to see these works here. So I hope you'll all come. We will, of course, have lots of wonderful member events as part of these exhibitions and lots of opportunities to kind of really engage with them through First Fridays and other programs as well. And I will hand back to Ms. Lisa, Dr. Lisa Slade, I should say. Thank you so much, Tansy. Beautiful job, Tansy Curtin. Thank you so much. I love these two. So Tansy's placed the work on the right by Diego Rivera alongside the work by Frida Kahlo on the left. They were both painted in 1943 and I, I think they speak to uh, precisely what Tansy was articulating, which is this moment where an interest in the local intersects with the international. So it's going to be very exciting to see their work side by side. Now, both Kahlo and Rivera and, of course, Andy Warhol. Those exhibitions will be in our temporary exhibition spaces downstairs. And uh, I have a little personal anecdote about Warhol. 
1987, when Warhol passed away, my uh, flatmates and I, we were living in a shared house in Sydney, decided that we would stage a wake for Andy Warhol. <laughs> February 1987. I think I was in second year of uni. And uh, unfortunately, somehow, Triple J, I think they were then Double J, the radio station, yeah? got wind and advertised, uh, well, not advertised, because they don't do advertising, but spoke about our party on the radio. So my five flatmates and I sat in our bedrooms recoiling as literally hundreds of people walked through our three-storey terrace house. Andy Warhol would have loved it. It it kind of felt like Warhol's revenge. Absolutely. (laughs) So... Before I kind of kick off into the rest of the 2023 program, I thought I would just underscore a few things that are already happening in the gallery. On Sunday, we closed our, which was just yesterday, we closed our exhibition, Nali Nimalani, Game Pieces. Hands up if you got to see the exhibition. Fabulous. 42% of you, I think, 42, I like to do direct conversions on the spot. It's very cheap research. And it means that we can be very analytical. So that is excellent. Any chance you've seen Bewilderness, which is upstairs as yet? Hands up if you have. Okay, probably only 18% of, of, of the audience. Bewilderness runs until April. And I would really urge you to see the exhibition because it really underscores the landscape of generosity that underpins this fine institution. I can say this because I'm not from here, that what happens here in the philanthropic state doesn't happen elsewhere. And you're very much part of that uh, revolution of generosity. And in fact, for the first time, we have three works on view at the moment that have been acquired through members end of financial year appeals. And some of you in the room, I imagine, may have made contributions towards those. In Bewilderness, there's the wonderful photograph by Norelle Ortio. Now, Norelle is a South Australian photographer who sits at the bottom of the ocean waiting for those jetty jumpers to jump off the pier, and she photographs them submerged. Incredible, incredibly beautiful photographs. Alongside or nearby to Norelle's work is a wonderful work by Mrs Jack, who sadly passed away last year, so it feels even more special to have the first of her works enter our collection with your generosity. And that's a work called Kuruyutu. And that broke all records. I think you gave to that campaign in a way that enabled us to acquire that work within 48 hours of our call out. We had raised sufficient funding. Once you leave Gallery 9 and go into Gallery 6 where you see Hossein Valamanesh's beautiful spinning tree and then you step up into the Melrose Wing, there's a photograph there on the landing which was acquired as part of last year's end of financial year campaign. And with your support, we were able to acquire that very beautiful self-portrait by Hossein. It's uh, just over a year since his death, actually, so it feels incredibly poignant to have that work in close proximity to his work after rain. Now, I introduced Vince as our newish member of staff, and we have another member of our directorate team who is even newer to the fold, and she's just popped ahead in the door, so I'm going to take this moment to introduce Emma Fay. Emma Fay has joined us as kind of like the other half of me. I'm Assistant Director of Artistic Programs, and Emma is Assistant Director of Operations, so we work very, very closely together as part of the directorate, which, of course, includes Vince and also our Chief Financial Officer and, of course, our director. So 
We're super thrilled to have Emma in the house. Emma has returned to us. She was with us about a decade ago, and since then she's done some incredible work, probably the most impactful of which has been as her role as the head of Guildhouse. So Emma has left her dearly beloved team at Guildhouse. We feel very special here at AXA, and she has come to us. So a big welcome to you, Em. And look, we've really been doing some reflecting about our team and, and Vince taking on this new area, this new portfolio, which includes membership, is really part of that. We wanted to bring you into that fold that includes the foundation and contemporary collectors and all of that wonderful work. So welcome aboard. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with a video, I hope. Yes, I am. That's exciting when it just happens like that. Well, let's see what happens next, shall we? So we decided to make that video because whilst the first Tarnady was in 2015, we really started around a decade ago. So we got together late last year and decided that we would work with Closer Productions, who we started to work with about 12 years ago, to make this kind of short video which brought together a kind of snapshot of what Tarnady has now become. And in the words of Uncle Mickey O'Brien, Ghana Elder, Tarnady has become its name. The name itself from Ghana Yada means to spring forth or appear, to rise up. And he says, Tarnady has risen. It is growing. It has grown. It has momentum. So we're super excited that Tarnady is back this year. And in October, in the middle of October, we will be launching some major exhibitions. First of all, we will have the exhibitions downstairs that will be a survey of what's happening across the country. It'll add to the list of, which is it's kind of exhausting to even contemplate, that we've worked with 6,000 artists and brought 1.6 million people to experience the work of those artists over that time. They will add to that extraordinary, uh, extraordinary inventory. Upstairs, we will stage the first solo exhibition of the work of Vincent Namajira. And many of you may have seen Vincent's work. There was a snapshot included here when it was part of the Illuminate Festival last year. Hands up if you did. Oh, good. That's very good. That's, I think that was 81% that time, Vince. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, according to the Illuminate team, 650,000 people saw that work. It was incredible. It transformed our building, as you know, and our building travelled to the APY lands in the most kind of gorgeously playful, poetic and political work. It did all of those things at once. So we've been working with Vincent Namajira. We've been travelling to Canberra together to look at the work of his great-grandfather in the National Gallery's collection and also to look at the work of Albert Namajira as his great-grandfather in our collection. So Vincent will curate some of those works as well as his own work, and that will be held upstairs. After that exhibition is shown here, during the Tarnandi period through to late January, it will go to the NGA, so it will hit the road. In addition to what's happening here at AXA, it's quite a lot happening here at AXA, there are 32 partner exhibitions across the city and across the state, so there'll be projects happening everywhere. We are also, and I think some of you will be, well, all of you will be delighted to hear this, we are bringing back the live art fair. So for the last couple of years, <laughs> start, start saving now. For the last couple of years, the art fair, as many of you would know, because of COVID went online. We will keep the online platform because we have picked up an international audience for Tarnandi through that online platform. We had people buying from Korea, from the States, from Korea was one of the highest um, 
countries in terms of numbers, which is extraordinary. So from all over the world, people have been buying art via the Tarnady online platform, but we will also have the live art fair here, and we'll be moving to a new venue. We won't be at Tandania as we have been before. We've outgrown that, and we won't be on lot 14 in the tent. We'll be moving to the entertainment centre. And in the entertainment centre, there's that wonderful kind of black box theatre space off to the right. We'll be in that space. So we're very excited to be holding and staging that art fair. That art fair means that every single cent goes back to communities. And I think if I remember my numbers correctly, it's about 6.6 .6 million has been returned to communities. As many of you would be aware, art is one of the few sources of non-government income that goes into remote and regional communities. And we're really super proud to be part of that. So keep an eye out for Tarnandi and start saving your pennies now. Isn't that wonderful? That's the work of Tiger Yaltangi, another APY artist who'll be uh, showcased in Tarnandi. And just an image to whet your appetite for the art fair. The wonderful Vincent Namajira. It's called Australia in Colour, the exhibition. And as I mentioned, it'll go to Canberra. It'll be in Canberra from March until they've got about a five-month viewing in Canberra next year, which is very exciting. Then there are a series of other exhibitions. And as I said to our audience, our wonderful audience on Saturday, don't think that this is it from the art gallery. We're very good at turning on a dime. And any opportunities that fly our way, we will catch. So the moral of that story is that you have to be in the building to know what's going on. You have to visit regularly, as many of you do. We will be uh, staging an exhibition, a survey exhibition or a retrospective of one of the most celebrated potters in Australian art history. And that is, of course, the much beloved South Australian potter, Milton Moon. Milton Moon passed away in 2019. We have strong holdings, as you would expect, in the collection, but we'll be borrowing extensively as well. We're working very closely with his son, who is also a potter and an academic, Damon Moon, to develop this exhibition. The exhibition is supported by a catalogue which has been funded by the Gordon Darling Foundation and we're doing some new work, commissioning new writing and new work about Milton Moon and for the first time positioning Moon within the larger story of Australian art, not just in the story, not that there's anything wrong with the incredible story of Australian ceramics, but broadening the gaze to look at this broader kind of picture of Australian art and looking at some of his contemporaries. And as the name suggests, crafting modernism. It looks at the important role of craft in defining modernism. Rebecca Evans, our curator of decorative arts, is curating the exhibition, and it's just going to be such a wonderful showcase. It leads into, as you'll see from the dates, it leads into Sala. But as I love to say to our gallery guides, and a shout out, because we've got a couple of them in the house, it's every, every day is Sala at the Art Gallery of South Australia. And so it should be. If we're not going to champion South Australian artists, who is? So really, it, if, while, the, while the state celebrates August as the month of Sala, here, there's always something happening year-round. For instance, Bewilderness that I mentioned before features the work of a significant number of South Australian artists. Our curator of Asian art, Russell Kelty, has a particular penchant and expertise in Japanese art. You saw him at his curatorial best, I would argue, in the recent exhibition, Pure Form. Hands up if you went to Pure Form. 
look at that seven times. I love that. We get to count you seven times over. <laughs> That's great. So it was such a wonderful exhibition, supported by a great publication. Rusty is returning to the his Japanese sphere of influence in this exhibition, which is called Misty Mountain, Shining Moon, and he's looking at Japanese landscape. This gives us a chance... The, curate, the collection as a kind of engine room for curators is a really important part of what we do, and I know it sounds obvious, but you would be surprised how many galleries across the country and world merely kind of import exhibitions. We tend to make rather than take exhibitions here at the Art Gallery of South Australia, and even in the case of something like Warhol, the wellspring for that exhibition was in fact our own collection, as Tansy rightly said. So... This is a good example. We've made some recent acquisitions, including an incredible, this is a hokusai, but an incredible Hiroshige. And also we acquired some works from the Pure Form exhibition, which will go into this exhibition as well. So that'll be in the lower Melrose galleries across July all the way through to the end of the year, just about. We do get to drill down with Sala. And what a great way to do it this year around with the Sala artist in focus who is the inimitable, the irrepressible, the most extraordinary artist, Helen Fuller. Helen Fuller was the subject of a major survey last year at Samstag and we are going to be exhibiting these three vessels by Helen along with some other work here at the Art Gallery over the Sala period. Now, when you go up to Bewilderness, if you head south, you'll go into what we call Gallery 8, and you'll enter this extraordinary world of kind of textile wonder. It's a world that's been crafted by Sarah Waters. Sarah was the second Guildhouse Fellow, and the Ram James and Diana Ramsey Foundation have supported Guildhouse and the Art Gallery of South Australia to each year award the fellowship to a South Australian artist. And we do it in a way that there aren't really any strings attached. What I mean by that is that there's not an expectation that they make a work that we buy or they do a certain type of show. The whole point of the fellowship is that we work with the artist to develop the best possible creative outcome for them. In the case of Sarah Waters, it's a kind of incredible Wunderkammer of, of textiles and texture and talent and teaching and all of those T words. It's incredible. We'll be focusing our first Friday in February on Sarah's work. And on Sundays in February, there's a drop-in kind of session where you get to learn textile techniques. Sarah was last year's fellow and focus of the exhibition. This year, it's Liam Fleming. Now, Liam Fleming is, a, as you can kind of imagine, a graduate of the JAM, the extraordinary centre of excellence in glass in this country. Liam likes to push the material and push the processes. He kind of almost works against the tradition of glass blowing. But he's an extraordinary glass blower and he works with kiln glass, kiln um, form glass, as well as blown glass. And we will be showing Liam's work in Gallery 17 through September, October, and November. Great opportunity to talk about our public programs because we are fortunate to have key pillars here at the Art Gallery and they are just about all funded by non-government sources. Case in point, being the studio, celebrating its 10th year. 
The current iteration of the studio was a collaboration with Access to Arts where we worked with 10 artists with disabilities to create the studio that you step into. If you haven't had a chance, it's going to be open for a few more days before we do the transition over to the next studio. It's a great space. When we started the studio, there was a real sense that we were creating a kid's space. We very quickly woke up to ourselves when we saw people with their children, with their grandparents, people across all ages working and making art. And one of the wonderful things about where it is is that you don't have to feel like you, you need a ticket to the kids' space to go. You can step straight in. So we're thrilled to be celebrating 10 years, once again presented with the support of the James and Diana Ramsey Foundation. On the first Sunday of every month, the James and Diana Ramsey Foundation also support START. It's a program that has attracted tens of thousands of young children between three and 12. We have families that come from regional South Australia every month to experience START. And uh, as I like to say, come along or at least you know which day to avoid. If you want to have some time in the gallery without kids, it's the first Sunday of the month. And what happens with the program is that you get to have a kind of festival in one day. As the image suggests, it's not constrained to the visual arts. There's music, dance, always storytelling. We've started a children's book club in collaboration with the State Library. Anything can happen and anything does happen on a start day. So if you haven't had a chance to come along, do so. This year, this year, well, the last start, the first of the year, was on the 1st of January, Sunday the 1st of January. So it was kind of parents recovering from a hangover kind of day. It was a very, very entertaining day. In 2016, along with the Adelaide Biennial, we launched NEO. NEO, of course, means the new and we launched a program because we acknowledged that we had things happening for adults, things happening for children, but we really, that teen audience, we hadn't managed to fully capture or at least hold on to from start. So with the support of the Balnaves Foundation, who still fund this program, and when I say fund this program, they don't only fund the activities that we do during the program, they fund staff to deliver it. That's a very important point to make and it really underscores their generosity but also their knowledge that it requires that level of investment to run programs like this. So I have an incredible member of my team as the team project officer, Bernadette Clovens, and her role is to curate this program. She doesn't do it on her own because try telling teenagers what they should do. <laughs> I'm sure you've all tried it. I've certainly tried it. Instead, she works with an, a group of uh, advisors in fact, they're in the house on Wednesday this week and we'll be spending, she does these hot houses where she brings her advisory group in and they brainstorm what the NEO event should look like. We've just clocked 10,000 teens. So 10,000 teens have been involved in NEO since its inception in 2016. Up to 800 teens at any given point. And then finally, First Fridays is our all ages offering. Hands up if you've been to a First Friday. Oh, very, very good. 90 maybe, 88%, 90%. Very good, very good. Our guided tours, as you guys will attest, are incredibly popular. 30 people in a guided tour on a Friday night. God, I love the fact that I'm working a place where people come on a Friday night to join a six o'clock tour. I just love the idea that you'd finish your working week and go, I'm going to go off and do a tour at the Art Gallery of South Australia. What a great thing. 
So it's a great program. We theme the program and curate the program around the exhibition program. It provides a platform. It's not just about our audiences. It's also about our artists and creatives because we provide a platform for employment. We have DJs, spokespeople, we have curators, we have artists talking, all sorts of things happen. And that's an incredible kind of professional engine room for the city and the state that you get to kind of practice. In Neo, in Start, in the studio, and certainly in First Fridays, you get to kind of test your game as you're developing as an artist or as a creative. It doesn't all just happen here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. A lot happens outside the building, so I wanted just to finish with this. And first of all, we've had this show, we're halfway through the tour, we're up to venue seven, we're about to open at Narra Court. The installation is happening as we speak. A few years ago, as part of Tarnandi, we held an exhibition of the work of Naomi Hobson. The, the public response, I love it when you have shows here and you get to test the water and test the response. The public response was so enthusiastic that we decided to work with Naomi to, developing a, to develop a touring exhibition. So this exhibition is travelling around South Australia in collaboration with Country Arts, and wherever it goes, each venue hosts a whole series of public programs, including our NEO. So we take our team programs to the region. What we also do is we hold a Where's Your Wonderland photographic competition in each area, and Naomi judges. So she's been on the road and on the ride for a while now with us, which is really thrilling. And then our newest baby to leave home is this one, and I've had the great honour of um, travelling with Venue 1, and I'm about to take off and travel with Venue 2 soon. This opened at Nunangula late last year. Nunangula is a new gallery in the Southern Highlands in New South Wales, just in Bowral. And uh, brand new gallery, brand new show. This is a show that began this time last year when I was standing in, in the APY Art Centre Collective, which was in one spot in Adelaide, it's now moved, and I was there with Julia Gillard and a senior artist called Nilmody Burton. And I witnessed Nilmody Burton describing to the Honourable Julia Gillard the story of the Kungurankupa, or the Seven Sisters. And she said the Seven Sisters isn't a story of the past. It's not a dream time story. It's not a dreaming. It's a story of now. It's a feminist story. It's a story about women's leadership. It's a story about sisters helping each other, helping each other to be strong and to stay safe. And it was in that moment of exchange between these two women, and as you know, Ms Gillard has become acclaimed for her work in women's leadership. It was in that moment that I thought... We have a show. So I came back to the gallery and we worked with Anangal Women Artists to develop this exhibition, which is all from this collection, all from your collection. So it includes major sculptural installations, jumpy desert weaver installations, one of a flock of birds flying, the other of this incredible um, landscape of trees, and then a series of wonderful paintings, including this behemoth. This is one of my favourite paintings of all time. We acquired this work in 2018. It was included in the Adelaide Biennial. It was included in Know My Name by the National Gallery. It came home to us only to get ready to go on tour. And now it's travelling around Australia. It was painted by these five sisters, the Ken sisters, and their mother on the right-hand side. And it's a work that's called Kanguru Kanguru Kujukupa, which means a sister's story. This is our story. One of the things we decided to do with the exhibition is not just travel the show, but to travel language. So we've developed an online Pinjara class 
from the western part of the APY lands, an online Yankanjara class from the eastern end, and then every single label has a QR code, and you can go in and it takes you to an online glossary where all of the language that relates to these paintings can be heard and learnt. Now, you can do that. You don't need to travel with the show. By all means, do it. It'll be fun. But you can just go and do that so you can hear this incredible language and, and become part of the experience of these works. It's called Konga Kompo, which means strong women. It's been funded by the federal government. The Naomi Hobson show has been funded by the state government. It's travelling around the state. This has been funded by the federal government and is travelling around Australia. So super proud of that opportunity. Now, that is it from me, but you know I love a question, a provocation, anything at all from the floor. As I mentioned before, there's going to be more in the program. They're just the kind of highlights or the top kind of moments of, across the year itself, but I'm really happy to take questions. This is hard to do, okay? I'll, I'll acknowledge that one now. The NG thing is particularly hard. The way I get there, because we have NG in English, but it's at the end... So sing is the most, is the easiest one. So I kind of go, sing Natalia. Sing Natalia. Sing Natalia. But so it's, it's a tricky one. And you'll see, you'll see the NG in lots of Pinjara words as well. So it's really, it's something that our Western mouths, our Western embouchures, I suppose, are not particularly good at doing. But um, it's okay. It's okay if you're not particularly good at doing it. Doing it's good. Trying's good. Yes. Yes. So do you mean the French collection or the Italian collection? Sure, sure. The question was, are we continuing with the language tours that we did last year? And the answer to that is, is absolutely so. And you're right. There, we, I wish we were more multicultural, to be, multilingual, to be honest. But, but certainly, it's a great way of encouraging it. Most certainly. Most certainly. Any other questions? I'll leave you to your evening. Any final remarks? Vincent Ciccarello. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, a huge round of applause for Lisa Slade and Tansy Curtin. I, I've had the um, invidious opportunity to have to speak after those two on a couple of occasions now. I tell you, it's not easy. Um, they, are both, they both have encyclopedic knowledge and it's uh, just a testament to the strength of, uh, uh, and of expertise that we he have here at the gallery. I do want to just finish with two little things. One is that I'd like to introduce the membership team, please. So could I invite Peter Mount, our membership officer, to stand? Hello, Peter. <laughs> Peter, Peter is even newer than me, I've got to say. Um, we're thrilled that she's here to um, head up our membership team. So, and Kirsty Morey, if you'd like to stand, please, Kirsty. And Kirsty... <laughs> Kirsty is our membership and benefactions administrator. They are the face of membership, so um, if you have any queries or questions or you'd like to have a chat with somebody in membership, they're your port of call to begin with. You can always find me as well. Just ask for me at the, uh, at the information desk. 
You can Google me and find my phone number. You can come and see me in the, at the end of the Members Lounge um, and I'd love to have a chat with you. We've got a, a, a number of things in store for the Members Program this year. I'm not going to reveal them yet because they're still in the planning process. But one of the things that we're going to do to kick that, off, kick that process off is to send to you in coming weeks a survey which I'm going to ask you, please, I'm going to implore you to, to complete it. It's not particularly onerous, but it will help to um, guide uh, our decision-making about what you're after, what the kind of things that you're looking for in the membership program, um, any suggestions you may have about how we might enhance it, things that we haven't even thought of. Um, we don't... Um, we don't pr uh, profess or pr proclaim to be the repositories of all of all knowledge. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, so that that survey will be out in coming weeks. I don't have anything else to say other than uh, just to once again thank you for being here tonight. I hope you, you'll agree that we've got a really exciting 2023 program in store. It's great to see you here, uh, and we look forward to seeing you through the gallery throughout the year. And enjoy the rest of, you, of your evening. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>